The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Pels fans, we are back with another episode of the Bird Calls podcast, the pod dedicated to SB Nations, the birdrights.com. I am joined by site editor Ali Cassell and contributor Kevin Berrios, and we will be talking coupon, Shumpert, Frank Jackson, camp invites, and much, much more. But before we get to that, we've got a bit of breaking news here. Ali, did you change your Twitter handle? <laughs> sure did. I noticed that he went from red hopeful and I never got the story behind that, but now it's just straight up Ali Cassell. I was looking for you earlier on it and Ali Cassell popped up. Good for you, man. Was that a uh, tough to acquire? I th- no, I saw somebody change it and I thought, why haven't I changed mine? Cause that was something I set up when I first set up a Twitter account was when I was still a big Cincinnati Reds fan. So- I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I was a red hopeful all the way through and through. But now it just makes no sense. I don't even follow the team anymore. So it's about (laughs) time I changed it. Well, it's a welcome update. We're also joined by Kevin. And Kevin, no spoilers. Where does season seven rank in your Game of Thrones pantheon? I've got it ranked fourth. Fourth? I'd say third, maybe. Third? Okay, that's pretty positive. All right, you two, let's get started with the most relevant news. We've got Cody Taylor of Basketball Insiders telling us that a source told him last week the Pelicans were among the teams interested in Cleveland Cavaliers forward Iman Shumpert. Since acquiring uh, Jay Crowder from the Celtics and the Kyrie Irving training, many speculated that Shumpert could be expendable, and uh, there were rumors that he was on the move earlier in the summer. Anyway, he's got two years and $21.3 million, uh resting on the books, meaning the Pels would have to part with some version of Etwan Moore and Alexis Agensa or... Omera Schick, uh, Ashik, oh, God in heaven, and a lottery-protected first-round pick. This would be uh, appetizing to the Cavs because uh, they have quite obviously begun planning for the future, as confirmed by their dealings with Boston for that unprotected Brooklyn pick and Ante Zizic, however you pronounce that, versus going all-in for for playoff contributors. Now, Iman Shepard is six foot five. He's about two inches below the average NBA starting small forward. He's well below the height of a player we'd hope could be the shutdown defender on the wing as well as capable of contributing minutes to the four. He's uh, a natural shooting guard, I would think. Offensively, he's a bit better than Solo, slightly. Uh, Per 36 minutes, he averaged 
11 points to Solo's nine, shot 41% to Solo's 38, shot 36% from three to Solo's 34.8, as well as rebounded a bit more effectively. Ali, squash these rumors for us, or at least tell us why we shouldn't panic if we do acquire Amon Shumpert. Yeah, I don't like it. I think this is just due diligence by Del Demp. See, I think he sticks his nose into pretty much any kind of offer, anywhere there's a potential to make a move. And uh, I think that's all this is. If, if you, I mean, you pretty much well laid it out. He, he's a shooting guard through and through. And the Pelicans roster, unless they plan on moving Etuan more, have no need for it. So it'd be almost kind of a, even then, if they were to just move Etuan more, that'd be kind of a lateral move. That's still not solving the two biggest problems which is the Solomon Hill of vacancy or void, whatever you want to declare that position at small forward. And then the fact that the Pelicans really need to cut, uh, cut in salary yeah, even for next year. Um, I just recently learned that the main reason they didn't uh, utilize the stretch provision uh, before the deadline of the 31st of August was the fact that they didn't want to put any kind of dead weight whatsoever on future cap sheets because it's going to be that close if they re-sign DeMarcus Cousins to a max contract. Um, if they resign him, they're only going to be able to add about, um, was it about seven, eight players, more than half the roster. And they're only going to have, you know, I want to say about 20 to 25 million to play with. And that's, that's including Asha gone off the, uh, the book. So there's not much space for the Pelicans to operate by taking on a guy like Schumpert. No, I think what they're interested in is first of all, that small forward position. They got to fill it up. I'm sure Dante Cunningham is still their number one target. Now I'm think I'm inclined to think he's going to be resigned, but beyond that, they've got to be very careful what salary they add that's beyond this season. And as many of you know, uh, Salma Hill cannot be traded. Injured players cannot be involved in trades, although it's uh, a bit confusing that Isaiah Thomas was uh, cleared, uh, being that that is a rule. But Kevin, uh, before I move on from Iman Shumpert, uh, Joe Gabriel wrote on NBA.com just over a year and a half ago that some players do something so well that they really do elevate that certain skill to a true art. And there are nights where Iman Shumpert's work on the defensive end amounts to an absolute masterpiece. And this was in reference to uh, games three and four in the Cavaliers playoff matchup against the Celtics when Iman Shumpert shut down uh, Isaiah Thomas to the tune of, uh, I think it was six for 26. And he really did a good job on Evan Turner, who is not uh, renowned as a great shooter, but uh, really minimalized both of them offensively. And Evan Turner is a bit more of a small forward, though he's a not as conventional as uh, the players we think of today when we think of those uh, three and D type players. Kevin, do you think Amon Shumpert is, is kind of washed out as an elite level NBA defender? Um, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, he, he's, I wouldn't say he's washed out. I mean, he's, he's an adequate defender. He's a good defender, but I mean, he doesn't give you that much more. And I, I mean, the only way I would, can even consider this move if it was just a swap for Ashik, uh, or maybe if you added a second round pick because you could stretch Shumpert and be cheaper for, uh, you know, because there's one less year on his deal. But like, I mean, talks of trading Etwan Moore for him—that's insane. Like Etwan Moore is light years better than Shumpert in my opinion. So, Agreed. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy talk. So, uh, I'd rather just. Uh, stick with what we got and try to make a move for him if it's going to cost any kind of asset um, at all. So, Yeah, yeah it appears it's going to cost uh, Ashik and a, probably an unprotected first-round pick, which I think the Pelicans wouldn't be likely to deal with for, for a player of a Mon Shumpert's ilk. Uh, Ali, let's let's move right along to Coupon. Uh, he was traded 
for a 2020 second round draft pick to the Bulls for a 30 year old international player. I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter because he's never going to be playing in the NBA. <laughs> and they also traded him for a 3.9 million salary cap uh, break, bringing the Pelicans. And you had the calculations on this pretty specific. I think it was about 4.9 from the lottery and about 5.4 from the uh, from the hard cap. What was your reaction to this move? And was it the right call? You uh, previously just mentioned the uh, stretching of Ashik, and I know that that was something you were a proponent of. So talk about your reaction and talk about uh, weighing this versus that decision. I was a little surprised. Um, Quincy Pondexter seemingly to me is making more strides than he has in his last two years. Now, of course, we don't know to what degree, what level, what the doctors give him in terms of how healthy his knee is. Is he at 100%? Is it 90, 80, whatever? So we're not privy to that information, so we can only guess. But if he would have been close to 100%, I think he could have contributed. And I think um, this may come down to be kind of a bad move because, again, as I mentioned earlier, Omar Ashik, um, the, the Pelicans don't want to carry any kind of dead weight, like by, if they would have stretched and waived him. But I think that additional, uh, was it, cap hit of like $3.5 million it would have been. I think that may have been more palatable if, you know, this is a big if, if Quincy Pondexter is – you know, kind of close to playing. Um, small forwards like him are so hard to find for the Pelicans, you know, where they can play defense and hit that three ball. That's why I've been such a big proponent of Dante Cunningham. He's not a world beater. He's, you know, a replacement player, but the Pelicans don't even have that at the three right now. We don't know what we've got in Darius Miller. He's been out of the NBA for over two and a half years. So there's a big, big need. And if this is, if this is do it big season for the Pelicans, if this is, all or nothing, everybody's in. Um, the Pelicans really have to, you know, put the best, you know, set of 10 players, whatever the rotation may be, out there on the floor this year. And you can't really half-ass it. Um, and I'm just worried that trading Quincy Pondexter for salary cap relief, instead of going in another direction, may have not been the wisest decision. But, again, I don't know how healthy he was, and I'm only guessing. So, I don't, yeah, I don't really yeah. like, you know, as of now, I don't like it. Well, you know what's going to say a lot, Preston, is we're going to see what the Bulls do. If they end up waiving him, that means for sure I don't think he's ready to contribute. But if they keep him, that means they may look to uh, – he's ready to maybe do something. They may be able to flip him later on this season. So I think what the Bulls do really tells a lot about how healthy he is. Yeah, it might end up being a good move um, if it turns out that Quincy Pondexter doesn't play. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to jump ahead. I was going to ask you uh, something in a moment, but I'm so excited about it. I, I just have to get right into it. Um, Ali, you know, you know, I'm going to ask the question. I'll, I'll phrase it to Kevin first. I wouldn't be doing my job as an obsessive fan if I didn't. The, the Pelicans have retained orthopedic Dr. Misty Surrey after Sean Payton shockingly fired both he and Derek Jones following you know, the big partnership announcement with Oshner and misdiagnosis of uh, Delve and Bro's broken legs just like eight days later. Solo tore his hamstring in L.A. Frank Jackson broke his foot. We'll talk about that in a second. Both players were operated by doctors outside of New Orleans. And Quincy Pondexter has has some sort of juicy story that he's been working on with ESPN's Chris Haynes. If you guys have been privy to this on Twitter, you know, they keep retweeting each other and they keep bringing it up and mentioning it. There's obviously something coming down the pipeline. And now that he is no longer Pelican, you'd have to assume that it's going to it's going to surface soon. I asked you this question last week, all but without Kevin. I'm going to phrase it to Kevin. I'm asking it again. Regardless of his successful run with Pelicans in 2016, have have Mickey Loomis and Dell Demps made a mistake in retaining Misty Surrey? Well, I mean, I I don't know. 
I think one thing is that one thing that bothers me so much is when people are saying that we shouldn't question the the medical staff because we question everything. And, you know, like, why is that the one thing that's off limits? You know, they're like, oh, doctors work in mysterious ways, whatever. But um, as far as I can tell, Misty Surrey hasn't had a bad track record with this team. So, I mean, I understand it uh, if, if there really wasn't a lot there to not fire them if they're, if they're happy with them and uh, with the work he's been doing with the Pelicans. Great. Um, but you know, it, it is something that's going to make people question and you have like a medical staff that's thrown up a bunch of red flags for several years now. And uh, you know, something like this goes down and you keep one of them. I mean, you just have to deal with the questions and expect the questions because th- I mean, Come on, you know, look at the look at our history. Look at Eric Gordon, look at Quincy Pondexter, look at Tyreek Evans, look at Drew Holiday. All these guys misdiagnosed, complications from surgeries, playing when they shouldn't have played. You know, there's a lot of evidence that there's a lot of problems going on with this staff. So I, I it's a weird thing that they didn't do that they didn't get rid of them if they get rid of them for one team and they're uh united. But, you know, like we do say all the time is that uh, it's two very different sports, so sharing the same medical staff is is uh, is kind of weird uh, to begin with, and kind of questionable to begin with. So, but maybe they're thinking that way. Maybe this person is is a perfect uh, basketball doctor and not great at uh, dealing with football problems. I don't know. You know, I mean, they know better than me, but it's certainly something that is going to make me ponder. You know, I mean, it's going to make me slightly uneasy. Ali, before I throw it to you, I definitely want to mention uh, Coupon's infection that he had in April that flared up that kept him on the bench even longer. Uh, Omar Ashik can't seem to bounce back from this illness. He suffered in Mexico. We wish him the best. Solomon Hill's torn hamstring. Frank Jackson uh, breaking the same foot again. Jarrett Jack, I can't remember what the injury was, but he was on a 10-day contract to start the year, got uh, some some kind of fracture, and then was immediately cut, although they allowed him to continue uh, rehabilitating himself on the premises. Omri Caspi breaking a hand or breaking a thumb, and the immediate same thing happening. Give us give us your take on this. I already know what you're going to say, but something uh, Jake Madison said on Locked on Pels was, uh, if you if you take your eldest son to the doctor and, and you have a, a, a negative uh, meeting, you, you wouldn't take then your, your next child to the same doctor, would you? No, no, that's an interesting analogy. It's the first time I've heard that one. No, that, that, that kind of makes sense. And you know what? This Frank Jackson injury did raise my eyebrows. As before, as you know, I was kind of defending Dr. Surrey based on kind of how last season went. But now this really raises a flag because, let's face it, when Frank Jackson first got signed by the Pelicans, um, almost positive the, the doctors, the physicians, everybody involved, took a good look at him physically, did all the scans as such, and um, – Obviously, nothing turned up because he was allowed to practice, rehabilitate, all that. So what I'm wondering is between then, when he first came on board, to now, what exactly happened? Was it just simply he's honestly that fragile, which is another scary thought, uh, where he was just bound to break his leg? Or, I'm sorry, was it the fifth metatarsal of his foot, which is that dreaded Jones fracture? Um, Was it just because he's that fragile? Or was it because that he kind of got pushed too hard or was the fact that there was no limits on him? Or were the doctors not monitoring, say, like every week, every two weeks to make sure that, you know, there was not an overexertion on that bone or those bones in his foot? Um, I don't know, but it raises definitely an eyebrow. Like I said, he's been 
under the New Orleans Pelicans organization since uh, shortly after the draft, and he's already out for, you know, what, eight months with, like I said, one of the worst foot injuries you can sustain. We don't know what his original – this is what I would love to find out, Preston, is what was his original stress fracture by Duke? Um, I'm inclined to think maybe it wasn't that fifth metal arsenal Jones fracture because obviously then you have to stay off your feet. So my guess is it was a different bone that was at issue, but again, it already shows the susceptibility at his age that the Pelicans should have been careful with him ever since uh, they lit him on the floor while he's a paid player by the organization. So I don't like it. It stinks. And I love that analogy because <laughs> it's beginning to ring a little true. Um, there's already been some bad news, and we just now got into September. And you've already mentioned Ashik's ongoing problem, and Quincy Pong's extra may have been an ongoing problem. So, yeah, I don't know. I want to stay positive, and I don't want to be negative, but you, you got to keep an eye on this because it just doesn't look good. And I think the major red flag is that these players aren't going to New Orleans for their surgeries. They're going all across the country, whether it be to Los Angeles or Wisconsin. Uh, Kevin, something I wanted to bring up. We we talked to Jamel McMillan on the pod uh, a few short weeks ago. Shout outs to him. Thank you so much for taking the time. I remember him being quoted while he was in Los, in Las Vegas, uh, stating that he expected Frank Jackson to be ready to go by August 1st, uh, that his rehabilitation was going wonderfully. Uh, and and I also uh, saw a video on Instagram and on Twitter of Frank Jackson doing these these one legged jump squats onto an elevated bench with a trainer. He was not doing this on his own. He was being very closely monitored. Do you think, like Ali said, this is another uh, case of a player just just rushing back and just pushing too hard too quickly, or or do you think the trainers have some fault in this in not uh, just progressing him a little bit slower? I mean, it's probably a little bit of both, you know. I mean, players definitely want to play before they're, you know, ready to play, unless you're Derrick Rose, I guess. But um, for the most part, <laughs> you know, like we've seen, I mean, the Quincy Pondexter basically ruined his career by by playing through an injury. And then we saw that with Tyreek Evans, you know, a lot of times playing when his knee wasn't ready, having to constantly getting his knee drained and uh, having setbacks because his knee never properly healed or whatever. So, I mean... There's definitely that aspect, but um, considering that you got a guy that's injured already, I mean, it, it seems like he would be scrutinized very heavily, you know. I mean, although they're not expecting him to really play much this year, you know, you definitely don't want him to have setbacks. You know, you want his rookie season to be about learning how to defend NBA players and, and learning defensive schemes and getting comfortable in offense and seeing how his game works against NBA players. Um and getting his body adjusted to the grind of the season. And now, like, he's set back just rehabbing a foot injury, and all of that gets put on hold while we weren't expecting much of him on court. You know, it's all the off-court stuff and building up that he's losing out on now that would have had him more ready for when we are ready to have him on the court. So it's just unfortunate. Ali, you had an article a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about it on the pod, about how you believe that Frank Jackson could have been ready to contribute contribute sooner than we all expected uh how disappointed are you that you're probably not going to get to see him play at least i would hope until the all-star break if not later uh i i think his uh his surgery and his rehabilitation is supposed to allow for him to come back by december but i would i would hope that the front office would hold him out possibly for the entire year and just redshirt him yeah i agree with you i'm very disappointed a lot of people are saying he was a rookie he was 19 all that but the numbers and a lot of eye tests, including, like, say, John Calipari, say this kid can shoot 
and we saw his athleticism and his body. I mean, it's he's physically ready. I remember Austin Rivers. He came in looking like a twig, and everybody thought he'd get broken or, you know, would suffer with the size difference. And he sure did, even though the guy couldn't shoot, but still physically couldn't handle. It. As to where Frank Jackson's just the opposite. So I don't really look at his age. I look at what he did on, on the court and uh, his size. And if the Pelicans would have needed some help at guard, say if they suffer an injury to there, I think he could have helped. But at the very least, he would have had spent a lot of good time in the G League developing. Just like we saw with Sheck Diallo, I think that did him wonders. It would have probably done wonders for Frank Jackson. He probably gotten his confidence sky high. Um, he would have learned some more, you know, how to compete against NBA caliber type of players as well as learning some of what Pelicans like to do offensively and defensively. Now he's just going to have to sit. He can't do anything. He can do nothing but watch. So, yeah, like you said, redshirt, yeah, it, we might as well look at this season as a redshirt season for him. And that that's really sucks considering how NBA – contracts how much they matter and uh now all of a sudden his three-year deal we have to really look at it as a two-year deal um there's nothing good about it it sucks and now we're down to 10 healthy bodies 11 if you uh, consider ashik one of those but uh he's still not cleared to practice at full strength kevin we have to move on to talking upgrades we've got a void at the three we definitely need depth at three the four and gentry even mentioned trying to find somebody who could give minutes at the two which was a bit confusing to me since we're still five guards deep at that position uh adrian wojnarowski on his podcast recently mentioned that some older veterans had uh tried out for the pelicans and might be invited to training camp uh, and this is kind of funny because the Pelicans traded a small forward who hadn't played in the NBA in two years. So if they could try out three players who haven't played in the NBA in two years, uh, welcome to the team, uh, Chase Budinger, Josh Smith, and Martel Webster. Um, he also mentioned that Anthony Davis might walk into training camp and freak out when he <laughs> sees these guys and considers that one of them might be playing 25 minutes per game for them this season. Kevin, how how excited are you to see what these guys have left in the tank? Um, uh, uh, you've seen the movie Flatliner, mm-hmm. like the moment of death. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, why would you even bring in these guys? Like there's, you could bring in Tony Allen. You could bring in some guys, Miritich, some guys who actually have played recently and haven't totally washed out. I mean, this makes no sense. I mean, Chase Buttinger, I mean, I never liked him when he was, when he was playing quality minutes and then Josh Smith, I mean, Please, and Martel Webster. I mean, he's. I mean, we talk about our medical staff and we all these reoccurring injuries. We're gonna bring in this guy, you know. I mean, like, what's the point? I don't. I don't understand at all what the point of that is. I'd rather them bring in undrafted NBA. I mean, undrafted college players to try out than any of these three. Ali, we've definitely uh, seen examples of, you know, older players like Rasheed Wallace or Jared Jack come to NBA uh, franchises and not necessarily give them 82 uh, games of minutes, but, you know, come in for a month or two before they fall out of game shape, you know, give give some reasonable NBA level uh, minutes uh, contributing to their team. Do you think any of these guys could possibly even get us to December? No. Not at all. And and just to add to your, your initial assessment, Martel Webster is definitely, it sounds like coming to uh, Pelicans training camp. So he's, he's definitely going to be here competing for a spot. Uh, it's up in the air whether Josh Smith and Chase Buttinger will, but the fact that the Pelicans might be able to bring in all three. Wow. It, it really seems, smells like a desperate measure. And as Kevin said, I don't understand why, 
if you look at even their numbers, and they obviously, as you said, they haven't even played in the NBA for well over a year. They can, none of these guys can even shoot the ball. Uh, Martel Webster's got a bad back, and if I remember right, I think he retired because of that back. They said if he would have continued playing, he could have sustained some kind of uh, – not life-threatening, but it would have somehow his back could have reacted as to where he would have had to deal with some kind of problem the rest of his life. I don't remember what it was, but <laughs> I don't know. Scraping the bottom of the barrel just doesn't seem right. And as Kevin mentioned, there's some other um, players, free agents, that seem more like legitimate candidates. I don't know whether the Pelicans don't think they can sign them to like a veteran minimum like they're seeking to do, but maybe this is just Dell Demps honestly doing that due diligence you know you got to look under every rock maybe you can find a surprise because let's face it he's known for finding those surprises surprises all across europe and russia and you know the rest of the world and some have contributed like gustavo Ayan, luke babbitt even alexia Jensa. so maybe that's his thinking i don't know but like kevin i don't have any confidence in this group i don't expect any of them to play decent minutes uh Woj is right if it does turn out that way Anthony Davis is going to be staring at the exit sign above the doors. Oh, man, so much gloom and doom on this podcast. Go ahead, Kevin. I was just going to say, as a huge fan of Wallace the Society, I'm offended that you would even mention him in regards to this. <laughs> I would take Rasheed Wallace right now over any of those guys. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, so right now in training camp, we're we're looking at a, a very reasonable uh, case could be made for Charles Cook or Jalen Jones making this team. Jamel McMillan uh, said Jalen Jones had a lot of Dante Cunningham in him. Also, you'd have to wonder if James Young will get an invite to camp now. And and we're still waiting to hear on Dante Cunningham and Tony Allen. God, this, this saga just continues. We're two months into free agent. We can't get these guys to make a decision yet. Ali, first of all, what what's taking so long? Well, Dante Cunningham, what I fully expect to be, at first it was a money issue, but now that they've got the money for next year, that's not the problem. But the problem now is I think it's the years. I think Cunningham's seeking multi-years, and the Pelicans, they don't want to add that additional salary for the following season, the 2018-19 season. Uh, that's why Clark, Rondo, um, for whoever else were just signed these one-year veteran minimum deals because that cap sheet's going to be overladen if everything works out and Cousins takes um, a max contract. Suddenly you're paying him, Davis, and uh, Drew Holiday almost like was about 80 $80 million, I want to say, somewhere. just And then, of course, you throw in Solomon Hill and Antoine Moore, and then, boom, you're at 100. And if I remember right, the um, what is it, the, the uh, luxury tax line is going to be at 125. So that's like your do-not-pass-go line for this organization. So you've got $25 million to spread out over the remaining 10 players on the roster. So you can see why they're scared, why they didn't uh, utilize that stretch provision, like I said, the, this past week. So Dante Cunningham is being held up because of this. Um, my guess is he's probably going to take a one-year deal, probably an option for the second year. And um, that's all the Pelicans are going to give him. I'm sure he's taking at least a three-year deal, you know, in the range of maybe $12 million, but I don't think the Pelicans are going to give it to him. They're just going to go above what they can, you know, beat out the Timberwolves, who sound like they're already out of it. I think I heard them signing some free agent today, or was it yesterday? And I know the Bucks are supposedly still in, but again, they've only got a beat. Uh, was I think the Bucks can offer the most is about two point five million, something in that range. So they don't have much to beat. But again, I'm sure Cunningham wants to be paid and taken care of on a multi-year deal, and the Pelicans probably don't want to give it to him. 
And Kevin, we've got about 4.7 million to spare, somewhere around that, before we hit the the luxury tax, 5.4 before the dead cap. But we still have multiple roster spots to fill. Uh, Not only do we have an absence at the guard position now with Frank Jackson going down and losing Solo and Quincy Pondexter, but we're still looking for a third big that can give us about 15 to 20 minutes a night. Kevin, are you comfortable giving Dante Cunningham the remainder of our uh, open cap flexibility? Like all um, of it, I mean? Uh, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't want to give them all of it. But if it's on a one-year deal and that's all you can do and really looking around the scrap heap, uh, you can't find anything and there's no trades to be made, sure, why not? Because he he knows the system. He knows the team. He shoots 40% from three. He defends. He fills uh, minutes at the three and minutes at the backup four, which are necessary. So really signing him is like signing two players in a way because you're, you're filling two, two holes, the biggest holes in your roster right now. Um, so, I mean, I prefer to bring in two players, but if we can only bring in one, I'd want it to be Dante. No, they got to make a two, Kevin. There's no way. With that 4.7, they discovered a Quincy and a future draft pick. I think and as Preston mentioned, 10 healthy players, let's not even count Omar Sheik, whether he's truly 100% or not. He's not going to contribute anyway. So I think they have to sign Cunningham and another player. What's that, Kevin? Go ahead. What's the, like, I mean, are we getting close to being in some sort of territory, like a Chris Bosch situation where we could maybe possibly apply for, you know, him not being fit to play basketball and get, uh, you know, his salary off the books kind of thing? Or is that even a thing that That's an interesting is question. I mean, I've them? heard of some people having infections for well over a year, I mean, where they can't figure it out. So maybe that is an idea. I never even considered that. That's a good idea. I mean, not for Omar. I would, well, I dread that. I don't hope that on Omar at all, but maybe they could right. go down that route. I mean, if he never gets healthy, you're right. Yeah, well, uh, health insurance is definitely something that comes into play here. I, I know that the Pelicans were not paying Quincy Pondexter out of pocket. Health insurance was going towards his salary. So you'd have to wonder if that's going to be a similar situation with Omar Ashik. Having him on the books actually, by point of fact, could be saving Tom Benson uh, around $11 million. Another reason possibly to retain him a bit longer. Um, I want to wrap this up. We do have a question from Pelicans fan 97 that I want to get to, but before that, looking back now, uh, let's start with Kevin. How much does that drew holiday contract, including its incentives, how much has that crippled us this off season? I mean, it's terrible. I mean, if he would have just taken 20 million, which is still an overpay for what he brings to the table, like we we wouldn't have had to trade Quincy Pondexter. You could have signed Dante, and you could we wouldn't have been talking about being up against the hard cap. And you know we we could have had Dante and still kept Quincy to see if he was going to work out, or you trade Quincy and you still have another you know four million, three million to bring somebody else in. Also, I mean it's just it's just a shame that uh, he held us over the coals so bad on that because you know. It doesn't seem like that much in the long run, I guess, $4 million a year. But it, when you're talking about three players making that much money on your roster, it really adds up. Ali, when we look around the, the league this offseason, a lot of quality players went at bargain-level deals, like Jonathan Simmons, P.J. Tucker, Luke Bamute, Omri Caspi went at the minimum, just to mention a few names. Obviously, I'm not covering some of the higher-profile players. 
But Ali, when you think of the money that just the incentives portion of Drew Holiday's contract could have given us, how how do you grade this contract given to Holiday as anything above an F? Yeah, <laughs> good question. Yeah, I, I'm with Kevin that I don't like the contract, and boy, is it really hurting now. Um, he's going to have to play like that superstar, that third superstar almost on the team, at least an all-star level. I should say, oh, I don't know why I'm saying superstar. We know that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, in terms, uh, Preston, do you ask? Are you asking for a grade, or do you, I, I'm sorry, I, I misheard that last part. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't phrase it uh, very intelligently. Basically, I was just asking the two of you to summarize. Like at the time when True Holiday was given its contract, five years, 125 million. I think we all kind of gave it like a C minus. But once that incentive laden part of his contract came to fruition, and we found that whether or not he gets that money, we can't use it. How harmful was it, not just long-term, knowing that money is going to be on his books throughout the life of his five-year contract, but this this is, by all accounts, the most important offseason the Pelicans have faced in their short 11-year history. And and I guess, I guess, how do you look at it as anything other than just like a total unmedica- uh, unpremeditated disaster? I got you. Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, Del Benson expect Frank Jackson to go belly up and then uh, Dante Cunningham, maybe not to be, you know, maybe he thought he could play hardball and win. Maybe they expected Quincy Pondexter to be further along. I don't, I don't, I don't know what was in their heads, but I agree. Either way, you, you give Drew Holiday that money, you tie up so much of that cap. And once you invoke the hard cap, which the Pelicans had to do because they had to add a lot of players, and so they're going to have to use the non-taxpayers MLE or the biannual, which they, ha- they still have in their pocket, but again, they needed to use all that sum of money because they had no cap space. They were over the cap line. So they had to use all these exceptions to bring players in. So we could have always anticipated uh, them hard capping themselves. But the fact that Drew's con- uh, holiday contract was for so much money, as you mentioned, it's not just the uh, guarantee portion. It's the fact of all these incentives, whether they're likely or unlikely, that kills, that, that absolutely hurts. That, that's like saying, here's $8 million that you can't play with. Whether you because you've got a couple of trade exceptions that could have been used to the Pelicans' advantage, they still had that 3.2 million biannual that could have been used, and I think they've got what about roughly 2.2 of the MLE. So all of that could theoretically have been used having not been so close to the hard cap, but because they are, and why is that? Is the holiday contract? So yeah, it's looking worse and worse by the day, and we haven't even gotten the first game yet. Yeah, we still have 2.2 available, the MLE, 3.3, the full BAE, and we still have trade exceptions of 2 and 3.5. That's according to Keith Smith of Real GM. You guys, this this has been such a a sour podcast. I'd like to have a bit of fun uh, before we let you go. And, of course, we're still going to get to Pelicans Fan 97. Let's talk about NBA 2K. I would assume that Kevin is the video game player of the two of you. But uh, this week it's come out that Anthony Davis has the highest rated score of any power forward. And DeMarcus Cousins has the highest rated score of any center. So at least the the video game creators uh, think that these are going to be the two best players at their respective positions in the NBA. Although a lot of experts only have us winning 40 games, it's it's got to be a positive sign that we have two top 20 players. How excited were you when you saw that uh, report, Kevin? Well, I mean, that didn't sway me in any way. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the <laughs> I know that they are like two of the best players in the league, and so that didn't really matter. Now I do, I I do like playing 2K, so it's cool that um, you know seeing their ratings and that they're the highest at their position, and then both are in the top ten 
Um, and also, I saw somebody had gotten the whole Pelicans roster uh, with the rating. And uh, yeah, I think Holiday, if I'm not wrong, was either at, yeah. uh, I think it was like an 80. So then you, you got, yeah. you know, like you got a 90. I think what Anthony Davis was like a 96 or something, and DeMarcus Cousins 92, and then the third best player is the 80. I mean, that's a good foundation for playing basketball video games, uh, especially if you can make Drew attack by controlling him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the the video game aspect didn't uh, sway me in any way. I mean, I'm looking at the team, and I'm higher on the team than most people are, I think, um, even with the Hill injury, and I'm a big fan of Hill. Like, I think that, that Solomon Hill is a good player, and I think he will be really good for a, a while. But, um, you know, uh, I think, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good team to play with. I mean, it's like – so one of the best things about it is we, we have those huge mismatches that, you know, people can't, you just pound them in the paint and then you can also shoot from the outside and you rebound. It's a, it's a good team to play with. Holly, do you play video games at all? I used to play a ton of them, but the last few years I've actually stopped pretty much playing them. It sucked. Now you're making me miss it. <laughs> yeah, it must be pretty cool for Pelicans fans to have uh, two fantastic players on the team. So maybe it translates to wins in the regular season. But if nothing else, that's that's the lone fun story that we've had to report on this week. Now let's get to a question from Pelicans fan 97. Uh, I'm going to start this one off because I already did a bunch of research on it, it being privy to the question before you guys. Basically, he just asks about trade options, Wilson Chandler and Terrence Ross. And before I throw it to you guys, uh, just so I can give you guys a head start, um, I thought Terrence Ross would be the better candidate just because the Magic are kind of a, a glutted at small four. They've just acquired Jonathan Simmons on a three-year deal. They've obviously got Jonathan Isaac can go over there, Wesley Awundu, Aaron Aflalo, uh, Mario Hazonia, and Evan Fournier can all give minutes at that position. Plus, he's got two years and $20 million that they would probably want to offload, and that could be a circumstance where the Pelicans could offload somebody like Ashik for an unprotected 2018 pick because, you know, the Magic aren't doing anything right now. So, you know, what's taking one guy who can't play in exchange for a really um, highly rated draft pick? And I like that better than Wilson Chandler, even though Wilson Chandler fits with us because the Nuggets actually really need Wilson Chandler, and Wilson Chandler is in the last year of his guaranteed contract. Uh, he's got a player option for the following season, uh, 2018-19. So we could be paying, uh, you know, fool's gold for one year of this guy, and we'd be getting giving up a, a great amount to get him. Now, with that being said, Ali, uh, what's your take on these two guys being in Pelicans uniforms? I like the idea of Terrence Ross. I know Del Dents was high on Terrence Ross before the uh, even the draft, um, and then I don't know if, he, if he's ever tried to trade for him since. He became a figure. He was drafted by the Toronto Raptors and he was up there. I'm not sure if he's ever chased them, but yeah, I, that's an interesting idea because obviously the Magic are going to have no use for the guy. Um, and that contract is definitely palatable as long as, you know, the Pelicans could send out some uh, money like with Omar Ashek or somebody like that. I've always loved Wilson Chandler, but you nailed it on the head. I don't see how or why the Denver Nuggets would trade him away. They're fighting for the playoffs. They've got rid of Gallinari, so their depth has gone down. Um, and Wilson's on a very good contract too. So I don't see him as being a likely target at all. Unless, you know, unless today's Denver Nuggets suffer some kind of injury or they just simply don't meet expectations, I'm not even looking at him. But Terrence Ross, I like him. I like the idea of him. That might be a good get for the Pelicans. Yeah, there's just an absence of talent around the NBA at a uh, small forward right now. The Nuggets are loaded at guard, and they've got big men in Trey Lyles, Tyler Lydon, Paul Millsap, 
uh, and Juan Hernan Gomez to go along with their their five great guards who can't see the floor. They just have too many of them. So small forward is the one position that we need, and it's the di- most difficult one to get. What's your take on this, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Ollie and you. I, I I do like Terrence Ross. I mean, he's a he's a good player, but at the same time, like if I'm trading Ashik in a first floor, I'm sure I don't think I would give up Etan Moore to get him. I'm just thinking of salaries that you would have to put together to grab him. Um, in terms of Wilson Chandler, I'm also a big fan of his. I really love that crazy baby head neck tattoo right on his Adam's <laughs> apple. That's something that's pretty special to me. Um, but I I agree about um, you know one year on his contract, and you have to you know deal with that situation in the off season. I mean, I'm all about Del Demps bringing Dante back, and then using the trade exception to, to get a, another young vet and overpay and to pry somebody away from a team, you know, make them like a godfather offer because let's face it, this is, this is the, the season, you know, um, if you can't convince Boogie to come back, um, then you, then you likely are talking to starting to have to think about Anthony Davis going away. And if you, uh, throw a bunch of, uh, you know, a couple of draft picks and a draft swap to get like a nice young vet uh, on this team. You got a young guy that's still under a contract that's team controlled that can grow with the team, but still contribute, fill in some holes. Um, that's great. And at the end of the day, if it all fails and boogie walks, then anything you gave up to get those guys, you could recoup with an Anthony Davis trade. If we have to come to that, unfortunately, you know, if that's the unfortunate situation, but you know, I'm high on this team. I think they'll bring them back, and I think now's the time to really cash in everything you can to to build a roster. And you know, if you you're looking at, I'm talking about guys that you don't hear about on the trade market, but if you look at their teams, you could make a case for the team saying, "Okay, I can get rid of this guy for this offer because I have other people on this team already to fill in, and they're offering me two first and a pick swap or something like that." You know. Um, we can go into details if you want, but I think maybe we save that for another pod because uh, we're trying to wrap this one up. Kevin, that's, ex- that's, the way yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say is I actually wanted to dive into this. And that's why I put Pelicans fan 97 on the end of this, because uh, next time when we talk, hopefully uh, Tuesday before or around noon, whenever you're available, uh, it seems yeah. like the only way the Pelicans are going to be able to acquire talent at this point is what we all dread, what we all feared, but what we all ultimately like, knew was going to happen is the Pelicans are going to have to unload highly coveted picks. They're going to have to give away their 2018, potentially even their 2020, because not only do they have to bring in talent, but we're going to have to offload uh, some of the stuff that we have in New Orleans, like Ashik or Ajinsa, and that's going to require sweeteners. And so uh, the next time we talk, that's something I really want to dive into. Uh, Hopefully no news breaks before we get to it. Uh, For all of you guys, thank you all for listening. We love what we do, and we appreciate your support and your downloads so much. Thank you for taking the time. If you really love us, give us a retweet. Help spread the word. Thank you to Ali, the most supportive and encouraging editor I've had all around. Just a good guy. Kevin, also a great guy, always being available, letting me poke fun at him from time to time and talk Game of Thrones. You guys can follow them now at Ali Cassell. Red Hopeful is no longer there. And Kevin B for Bounce. My name is Preston Ellis. If you have any questions, direct them to me at Preston Ellis, and I'll read them on the very next pod. And uh, Ali, what have we got coming up on thebirdrights.com this week? I'm going to finally finish my little Darius Miller piece. It's going to be a player preview, but it's just basically going to be my scouting report. I just finished watching his last game yesterday, so I just got to compile the notes. I think I'm going to write it all up tomorrow. 
it's uh, look for it Monday. That's the next thing. Nice, Kevin. Any parting shots? Uh, I was just going to ask Ollie. I signed up for uh, doing a uh, player preview for Omar Ashik. Can I just send a picture of the bench? <laughs> Absolutely, man. I can't believe you even signed up for it. I, I knew it was a joke. <laughs> well, I have fun with it. So. All right. Nice work, you guys. Thank you so much for your time. And I'll talk to you guys soon, hopefully on Tuesday. So you guys can look out for that. And as always, uh, I know it's a lot of doom and gloom, but we are fans of this team. Let's go, pals. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.